We're going to look for a few minutes uh, at the Bible, and I want to start with this question. What makes it hard to pray? And it's a pretty deep question to just dump right, jump right into. It's, it's not a, you know, kind of a, a light question. This is a heavy question. But um, if you would like to share online, either unmute or chat or in the room, what are some things that make it hard to pray? Not knowing what to pray for. Yeah, that makes it so hard. A sense of inadequacy. Yeah, if, if we're not adequate to come before God or even to pray. Something else. Anger. Anger, yeah, yeah. Yeah, perhaps even anger at God over how he has arranged things, done things, what he hasn't done. Yeah. Oh, sorry? Yeah, how do we pray about hard things? It's hard to know, so that makes it hard to pray. Yeah. Uh, procrastination. Procrastination, yes. I find I pray more at the end of the semester than I do at the beginning of the semester. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is this? Unbelief? Yeah, so significant. Uh, not concentrate, thinking about um, another thing. Yeah, we can be so distracted and feeling uh, the situation is hopeless. And so why pray? Yeah. Sometimes it's just the head knowledge mm. that it's trying to override what you think you know. Okay. That's really God. Yeah, so we have our sense of what is uh, what we think we know about the world and how it should work. And yeah, to pray opens that up and says, God, you are God. Feeling tired, Sure. Yeah, just the, the, our bodies are weak, and Jesus said this, the Spirit's willing, but the body is weak, and sometimes that really gets in the way of our prayer. Sometimes you just have an inexplicable sense. Hmm. Yeah, sometimes something in us we can't explain that says this is hard to do, maybe I don't even want to do it. Yeah. I want to think specifically today about the issue that sometimes we pray and we pray. And yet we don't see God work. And that can make it hard to pray. And so here's some of the prayers that I've prayed and other people that I watch and know pray. Prayers to overcome sin. Say, God, take this sin out of my life. I don't want it here anymore. And I have to pray that prayer again tomorrow and the next day and the day after that. And pretty soon I think maybe it's never going to change. And I wonder, why do I pray this over and over again? Prayers for restored relationships. To say, here are relationships that God clearly wants to be good relationships. And it's just, I can't do anything to make it happen. I pray and I pray and I watch people pray. And there it is. Prayers for hearts to be open to the gospel. To pray that, that people would respond, that they would listen, that, that their heart would change. And I know people who've prayed this for decades. I find it hard to keep praying. Prayers for healing of body and soul. And saying, God, would you do this? And even hearing this week about, about people who, who have wrestled with the sense that God's not answering these prayers, clearly he should, and the temptation to give up on God. Not just to give up on prayer, but to give up on God himself, because where is he? Prayers for provision of career and family and saying, God, are you going to answer this? And for people, this is a lifelong prayer that eventually they say, maybe God will never answer. 
Prayers for peace and justice. And to say, is this ever going to change? We pray about situations in the world like in Ukraine or Myanmar or in our own communities. And we say, will it ever be different from this? I'm encouraged that it's not just ordinary people who wrestle with these questions. So the the psalmist, Psalm 13, said, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Do you hear this cry that says, God, I'm crying out, but you hide from me. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? You hear the cry that says, God, how long? Habakkuk says, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you don't listen or cry out to you? Violence, but you do not save. And it's not just Old Testament. This this cry from the people in uh, speaking out in Revelation, the martyrs who had died for their faith, they say, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? How long? It can be really hard to pray. When we pray and we pray, and we say, I don't see God at work. So, just going to lead us for a moment in a prayer that says, Lord, help us pray and not give up. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, there are so many things we're thankful for. And yet there are also things in our hearts that weigh so heavily. And it seems like it's been a long time. And so, Father, we just ask, would you help us pray? Would you help us not give up? Would you help us to be able to trust you when it feels like you've not been doing what we need? And Father, I know in this room we we have people and online, we have people who, this is a deep cry. And there are people in our lives where this is a deep cry that we say, God, how long? How long will we pray and you don't listen? How long will we be in trouble and you don't act? So Father, I ask that you would teach us to pray. And even more, help us pray. Help us pray today and tomorrow and the day after that. And help us to grow in our confidence in you, in your goodness. Help us now through Jesus, who who also cried out to you. Through him, we also pray with confidence and ask for your help. Amen. The title today is Praying in Faith. Um, and it's a short passage in Luke, Luke 18. And I encourage you to have that in front of you. It's a short passage. I'll have it in front of us. It's actually, well, it's a very interesting passage, but Jesus makes it pretty easy to understand what he was saying this time. Sometimes it's confusing. And this time he was very clear. Uh, but let me just say a word about the context. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at uh, the end of chapter 17 of Luke. And Jesus taught. He taught the the religious leaders, but especially his disciples. He taught them about two things. He taught them, first of all, about the kingdom of God. And he says, here's what I want you to know about the kingdom of God. It's already present. It's already here. 
Although perhaps it's growing in ways that are hard to measure. Uh, it's hard to, to, to quantify it. Say, yeah, there it is, and it's bigger today than it was yesterday. He says, it's hard to do that, but it's present. The kingdom of God is here. But then he also taught them about the day of the Son of Man. The day when the Son of God would come back and would make everything right. He would bring perfect justice. He will. And he says, there is a day of the Son of Man when this kingdom will come perfectly and completely. But he said, it's going to seem like that day will never come. You're going to long for that day. And it won't be here. But then Jesus said that, that he will come. And when he comes, he will come suddenly with judgment and blessing forever. So he taught his disciples, the kingdom of God is already present, but you know, sometimes it's hard to see it. And it's hard to make sense of it. The day of the Son of Man is coming. But it'll feel like it's taken forever. When it comes, it'll come suddenly with judgment and blessing, but it's going to be a while. And it's going to seem like it's going to be a really long time sometimes. And so then continuing this, and and even though there's a chapter break, we go from chapter 17 of Luke to chapter 18. Clearly, these two passages are meant to be understood together. And so Luke 18, verse 1, we get the purpose of what Jesus is going to teach. And this is where Luke is so helpful and so clear to us. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Not too hard to figure out where this is going, right? He wants to show them, always pray and don't give up. So this is, you know, this is a a very clear introduction to a book. A, a, A professor, a teacher says, here's my lesson plan. The purpose is clear, and Jesus' purpose was so clear. I want you to always pray and not give up. And for some reason, Luke chose to be really direct about this. Sometimes Luke doesn't tell us, this is going to be the point of this parable. But here he does. And I think Luke and Jesus have the same concern, and that is God's people sometimes stop praying when they can't see God's work in response to their prayer. They stop praying because they've given up hoping that God hears, that God's at work. So Jesus' purpose, always pray and not give up. So he tells a parable. And here's the parable. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Clearly, he's not afraid that she's going to come across the bench and start you know, hitting him. But he says, I can't put up with this anymore. Her persistence is wearing me down. Now, notice what Jesus says about this judge. Two things. He didn't fear God. And he didn't care what people thought. And I think this helps us see a a wonderful image of a good judge. A good judge is concerned both vertically and horizontally. A good judge says, what does God think? And and what is absolutely true? And what are these absolute moral values that I have to answer for? And a good judge says, and I'm concerned about people. And this judge did neither. (laughs) Neither concerned about God or people. And yet... 
eventually says that I will see that she gets justice. She got what she needed. And and Jesus clearly shows that persistence is really valuable, even with a bad judge. <laughs> right? And and it's it's like it's like the power of erosion of water going over a rock, right? Water against rock, it can never win. And yet water over time continues to flow and it can erode and it can crack giant rocks. And so the modern equivalent, I think if Jesus showed up and and told this to us today, he would say this is about the abuse of power and the Me Too movement, right? It's not just one person. It's lots of people saying we need justice. We need something different than what we're getting, and we won't stop until we get it. Jesus taught that persistence is really valuable in the face of injustice. And this woman had nothing else to offer, nothing else to go for her. She had no, and in that society, she needed a male figure in her life to to have a voice. And she didn't have that. But here's what she had is persistence. And the judge said, I can't put up with this persistence. (laughs) I will grant justice. So the parable, right? Jesus says, here's my purpose, that you would always pray and not give up. So he tells this parable saying persistence is valuable even with an unjust judge. So now how do we understand this in terms of God? And so then verse 6, Jesus gives the interpretation. The Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus says, listen to that unjust judge. He he says, persistence wears me down. I can't resist this. I'll give in and do what's right. And Jesus says, well, that's not what God is like. God is not a bad judge. So if this judge would do good, of course God will. God will do the right thing. right? Unlike the unjust judge, God is always just. Right? He doesn't need to be worn down to do the right thing. He says, Jesus says, here's how God looks at it. God will make sure that people get justice and quickly. He says, God is a perfect judge. He never resists giving justice. God never says, oh, well, you know, this is kind of inconvenient for me, or I've got other friends and they're not going to like this. God never resists doing what is right. And I think it's clear that, that God never unnecessarily delays giving good. He doesn't say, oh, well, I've got some good things to give you, but I think I'm just going to wait till tomorrow. No real reason. I just think I'll wait. Right? God never does that. He says, God is the perfect judge. He will give justice. He moves quickly. The question is not, will God be just? The question is, will he find faith? Will he find people who continue to believe that God is just? There's no question about God being just, he says. God is good. He is just. The question is, will people continue to trust that? And so he says, you know what? We might have to wait. We might have to wait for justice and his goodness. And the question is, when we must wait, will we keep trusting him? The question isn't, is God faithful? 
The question is, are we faithful? Right? God is always just. Will we be faithful to him? Right? So the big idea is that God's work is often mysterious to us. And this is so clear. Right? The, the, the psalmist said it. Jesus said it. Your work, God, is mysterious. I don't see your goodness in this right now. God's work is so often mysterious to us. Yet Jesus said he is always faithfully and quickly, quickly working for the good of all his people in Christ. He is. He's always faithfully. And that word quickly we wrestle with, it doesn't feel quick. <laughs> it feels like it's taking forever. And yet this is what he said. God is always faithfully and quickly working for the good of all his people in Christ. And yet we struggle because we don't always see that. So Karen's away this weekend, so you don't get a a, a real drawing. Um, But I did find this drawing, if you can see it. Um, This is from 1864. And this is the picture that Jesus described. There is a judge sitting in this big chair and lavish and and all powerful people around him. And this widow is crying out saying, help me, help me. And I don't know if you can see people near her trying to pull her away, trying to prevent her. The judge is looking away and saying, I have no interest in you or what you were crying out for. Persistent asking was the only means the widow had to make the unjust judge give justice. And he did. But that was the only means she had to fight against his injustice. If persistence is a good thing, with a bad judge. Jesus says, persistent praying is all the better with an always good God. It's always right to continue to trust in his goodness because he is. Persistence was the only thing that she could do with a bad judge. Jesus says, it's always good to persist. It's even better to persist in praying to the God who is always good. We keep praying because he is always so good. The widow prayed. She kept asking because he wasn't good and he needed to be worn down. We keep praying because we know that God is good. Right? Because God is at work often in mysterious ways. Yet we trust that he is always faithfully and quickly working for the good of all his people in Christ. Jesus said, here's my purpose, is that you would always pray and not give up. And the opposite of giving up is to have confidence in God. Jesus says, I want you to keep having confidence in God, even if you can't see it. As he said, God will see that they get justice and quickly. Do we believe that? Jesus says, have confidence in this. God is always good. He's not just good when people make him be good. He's not just good when we pray hard enough. He is always good. God eagerly and generously gives good gifts to his children. He says, this is what I'm like. I love to give good gifts to my children. And God never wastes time. He says to us, make the most of the days. Make the most of your opportunities. He doesn't tell us that. And then he says, oh, but I'm a little bit distracted today. I'll be doing something else. But I'll get back to you another day. God is never wasting time. And yet we live with these apparent delays. And The Bible does teach that God is always good in this, so his apparent delays are always for good. So, for example, there were people that God gave promises to. 
God says, I'm going to do a great work in the world to, to bring the good news of my grace to all people everywhere. And they died without seeing it. Hebrews 11 says, God was orchestrating something that it took all these people to make this beautiful sound. It took people who believed God's promises in the past and died without seeing it. But it took them their faith, their trust, together with the people who were alive in Jesus' day to say, now I've put this together to orchestrate a bigger good than if I just met the thing that they were longing for in their day. Recent part of our our reading in the New Testament, uh, depending on one of the plans that you're going through, but this man who was born blind. And everybody tried to figure out, so whose fault is this? Who didn't pray hard enough? Maybe his parents didn't start praying from as soon as that she was pregnant, right? They didn't pray hard enough that this would be a baby that would be born without any physical trouble. Maybe for the decades they prayed, maybe he will come to be able to see. Maybe there will be something. And yet God waited and waited and everybody wanted to say, whose fault is it? And Jesus says, not anybody's fault. Actually, it's God's design. God's design to show something far better so that today we keep telling the story of this family who went through such a struggle for decades. And yet here we are 2,000 years later, continuing to give praise to God for what he did in their lives. The uh, funeral of uh, a man that Jesus loved, and they sent word he's dying and, and, and said to Jesus, would you come? And Jesus wouldn't come in time. He delayed. And he said, you know what? It's a really good thing I waited so long so that he died. And we say, how can that be? And he says, because I want you to see the glory of God. I want you to know I have the power over death. And how are you going to know that unless somebody dies? So I'm going to let this man die, as painful as it is, to show that I can raise him from the dead. In, in Second Peter, it says, sometimes God's delay is so that people will repent, you and me. <laughs> He says, I could come and bring justice right now, but then there are people who will be lost because they will repent when given more time. And so I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for others to turn. One of the hardest ones for me to make sense of is, is uh, the statement from, from Daniel. Daniel prays. And, and the angel says, I was coming, but I got delayed because of evil angels that I had to deal with. And I think, I don't understand this. But sometimes God sets in motion his answer to our prayer, but it takes time because in some sense he's dealing with evil. And so uh, also in our reading going through Exodus, God says, my will is that my people will be released from the power of Pharaoh. And in order for that to happen, it had to get worse first. And it got a lot worse. And the people said, God, we don't like your plan. You've made it worse, not better. And he says, no, I've got a plan so that when you leave, Pharaoh is going to be pushing you out with all his riches. I don't want him just to let you go. I want him to send you off with the riches of Egypt. And to do that, it's going to take time. It's going to get harder. But I'm not wasting time. I'm not confused. And and Isaiah 40, as we looked at, there are reasons that God has that will be beyond our ability to understand. His understanding, no one can fathom. So sometimes we can say, I think I can see what God is doing, why it's going slow. 
And sometimes we just will not be able to do that because he says, my understanding is beyond your ability to make sense of it. Will you trust me? Because I'm always good. I'm always doing good works. I'm doing work for you speedily, he says. Even though it might not feel like it to you, will you trust me? So he says, have confidence in God. And and I love this expression from from, uh, Romans 8. What then shall we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He says, will you trust me in this? I am the God who graciously gives you all things. He says, I can't not do that. I can't stop. This is who I am. I will do it. And we say, but how long before I can tell? (laughs) And he says, well, will you keep trusting me? You can't tell right now sometimes. right? The reality is God is always good, and he is always doing good, even when we can't see it. And so the statement from Psalm 25 is, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. No one who says, God, you are good and I trust you, even in the chaos of our world, even in suffering. No one who hopes in the goodness of God will ever be put to shame for that trust and say, wow, I wish I hadn't trusted God. That didn't work out well. That never happens. Those who put their hope in God will always, in the end, be able to say, praise be to God, because he showed his goodness and his wisdom in ways that I couldn't see. Jesus says, I don't want you to give up on God. Don't give up on the Son of Man, even when you can't see it. And one key expression of that is to keep praying. Jesus told them that they should always pray and not give up. Prayer is not our means to convince God to do what he's hesitant to do. Prayer is our means to express our trust that he is God, that he is good, and that he is at work not wasting time, not ignoring me and my trouble. Prayer is an expression of faith in God. Because God is always good and is always doing good, we're never to stop trusting him, including through prayer. So the reality is sometimes we wait for things that might work out well. We hope for some things to work out well. Simple level, somebody in our group was thankful for an outcome of a basketball game in the tournament, right? And so we wait and we hope and we hope it'll work out well. But in reality, we wait for other things that we hope will work out well. A medical treatment, a, a new effort at, at restoring a relationship, another effort to say, God, I want to be holy and I'm not there yet. And we hope in things and we say, maybe this will be the thing that helps us. And it is true that waiting on something that might happen is good. But waiting on something that will definitely happen is much better. And this is what he says to do. Wait on me because I will always show my goodness. So look at it this way. It would have been tragic for the widow to give up on asking the bad judge for justice. That would have been tragic because she would have missed out on the opportunity to get the justice that was hers. It would have been tragic for her to give up. It is all the more tragic for us to give up on the always good God. How tragic is it to say, well, I I stopped praying because I just am not seeing him work. How tragic it is to give up on the one who is good. We're not hoping we can convince him to go against his character. We're trusting in his character. 
So we're to keep praying. Jesus says, my goal is that you always pray and not give up. So we keep praying. And when we pray, one of the things that's so powerful is to praise God. Right? To praise God, especially for who he is. And especially in the thing we need him to be. Do you lack strength? Praise God that he has all strength. Do you lack wisdom? Praise God that he doesn't lack it. Do you lack patience? Praise be to God that he doesn't. <laughs> right? Do you lack the ability to forgive? Praise be to God that he sacrificed his son to forgive. We should praise God for who he is. We should praise God for what he has already done in our lives and in the lives of others. This is a way to build our trust to say he has been faithful in the past and he will be faithful to the end. And praise God for what he has promised to do. It's as good as done. When we pray, we should praise God. When we pray, we should declare God's character and wisdom to our souls. This builds our faith to say, God, here's who you are. So this is a powerful reason to to pray scripture. To say, God, here's what you've said. And people have highlighted, and and I think the the Crossway uh, kids were doing this recently. I think it's a regular practice to just put people's name in a promise. For God so loved and put in a person's name that he gave his only begotten son. And, and to take scripture and pray that and say, this is who you are, God. This is what you've done. And to pray scripture and the statement of, of Jesus, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And then put somebody's name in there. Or put your own name in there. And to say, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to John, who asks him? To put your name, your name and your kids' names. How much more will God do this? When we pray, praise God. When we pray, declare God's character and wisdom. When we pray, pray together. A statement from Isaiah, so powerful. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. I don't know about you. I need to hear those words. And you know what I've learned is that when people tell me those words, that's powerful. When I try to tell myself those words, that's a struggle. We need to pray together. We need to together say, this is who God is and be strong. Don't fear. Your God will come and to declare this. So this is why we, we take time to pray together. I find it so helpful, so helpful to pray together with other people. It strengthens my faith. My, my, my knees don't give way then. So this is why we, we look to a time to pray together next uh, Sunday afternoon. We pray together in the service, pray in our life groups, Create times to pray. <laughs> Figure out what it is to pray together. And then this idea to pray so that our faith will grow. And I get this backwards. I get it exactly backwards. I think if only I had more faith to pray. Right? This is the equivalent of saying, if only I were a better runner, I would actually run. But I'll wait till it happens, right? What a foolish thing to say, right? We exercise so we will grow. We should pray so that our faith will grow rather than waiting till we have more faith to pray with, right? We are to pray to grow our faith. 
Because God's work, often mysterious to us, it is there. He is always faithfully and quickly working for the good of all his people in Christ. And prayer is a powerful way to express and to grow our faith in God. Jesus said, I want you to always pray and not give up because God is good. So to paraphrase Jesus, Jesus said, God will bring justice for his children who cry out to him day and night. God will not keep putting them off. God will see that they get justice and quickly. Jesus said, the question is, when the Son of Man does his work, will his people still be trusting in him through prayer? Let's pray now and turn to God and ask him to help us grow in faith. Father in heaven, we praise you that you are always good. You are so kind and so generous. You can't stop it. We thank you that you are a God of compassion. And we thank you that you are a God of power. And that you will bring your ways to earth. In, in wonderful ways, you will bring justice and mercy. We give you praise. We want your help, Spirit, to keep praying, to not give up. Give us confidence that you are the God overall. Thank you, Father, Son, and Spirit, that you are always working good and you are faithful to all your promises and to all your children who trust in you. We give you praise. Would you help us to pray? Amen.